Hello beautiful people, happy Tuesday. Now this is an interview that I have been waiting to do for so flipping long. It is an interview with the incredible Christella Anthony. Now she is a professional voice and speech therapist. Okay, and in this interview we delve really deeply into the world of speech to therapy for singers, people that use their voice professionally on stage as actors, singers, musical theatre performers, all those kinds of things. Obviously because that's what I am, that's what I love talking about and that's what I know we love chatting about on this on this platform as well. We go really deeply into what the common triggers are for voice problems in performers, how our environment can affect our voice, dealing with days of really heavy vocal usage, and also some really easy, simple ways for us to actually look after our voice every single day. Now, for those who don't know me, hello, my name is Hayley Maybury. I'm a professional musical theatre performer, successful business owner, and absolute personal development geek. And I'm so excited to play you guys this episode for today. I will just preface this, however, we did this interview over Instagram Live, like I always do with my interviews. For anyone that is wanting to actually watch them live or watch the IGTV replay, you can go find them on my Instagram, which is at hey.may. <laughs> so go find them over there if you want to watch them in real time or watch the videos as well however we did have a couple of internet wi-fi issues so there's a couple of words missing here and there but i just this interview is so valuable there are so many golden nuggets in here i really wanted to share it anyway even though the quality isn't perfect so please bear with with the quality however the tips and tricks in this interview and the insight into the really technical elements of a singer's voice are so amazing. So definitely stick with it and hope you enjoy. I would love, I would love to you to just to kind of introduce yourself a little bit to people on this call that haven't okay. heard of you before, haven't met you before, a little about who you are, your background and why you do what you do. So my name's Christella Anthony. I'm a consultant speech and language therapist and quite soon into my qualification, I knew that I wanted to work with voice in particular. So I specialised in that quite soon. I did some training in Australia with a bit of a, a voice guru, a woman who kind of trained under Joe Hill, for anyone who's heard of that method of voice training. And um, it became my thing. You know, when I was younger, I was um, quite into singing and stuff, but I didn't really do it as a profession. It just seemed to end up to be my vocation to help other people with any kind of voice issue, really. But really like working with a singing voice. And I think having a bit of an ability myself and an understanding really made it you know just I don't know something that I I grew into so I'm unusual as a voice therapist so I'm a speech and language therapist who specializes in voice I'm not a voice teacher I'm not a voice coach we're a bit different than that because we we um we we're kind of allied medical health professionals that so we mix with you know ENTs and that kind of side of things so if we need to refer somebody for an assessment of the larynx you you have those links available to you and also other medical um, professions like maybe writing piece that makes us a little bit different so we, we deal with some medical stuff but uh, but like all voice no voice is purely medical and purely scientific at least half of it is artistic if not um and so that kind of me better that you have that kind of um, flexibility to work that way um so i'm also unusual in that i do i like working with performers singing voice and I work with voice disorders most voice therapists they work with mostly like nodules and things that happen in spoken voice but um some of us singing voice quite extensively as well and, and performing voice acting voice um but I have a whole other big part to work with working with transgender as well so for me the whole mechanism as I understand it and as I like to adapt it, it fix it whatever work with um I just 
turn my hand to what the issue is and um and I guess that makes me a bit unusual but I just kind of keep keep going into all different areas really I love that and I feel like that would help you so much as well having the knowledge of all the different areas so that you know when people come to you with an issue you're not just focused on that one area you've also got the knowledge of everything else to be able to draw on and help as well yeah it's really having an understanding of the vocal tract and what you can do to help that person either achieve a certain sound or get something fixed or if they're compressing the larynx or squeezing the larynx or um you know when you work with singers for example they'll often like well this has always been a bit of an issue and they've never really understood why or or a singing teacher has picked up something but they don't really know why because we work a little bit differently we can sometimes help them sound quite quickly or, uh, for example i might have a tenor who says i could never read this low you know, this oh no and actually, usually those kind of things are, are relatively quite simple for, for someone like me to fix usually just by kind of knowledge of how to the vocal track which is different to how singing teachers and coaches work so sometimes there's there's a lot of crossover but sometimes there's also a little bit of um different ways of doing things um and you just kind of find your way around it, trying to respect all the other stuff the person knows so that you can access a different way of, of them finding it that is so cool wow i love that so i'd love i'd love because i mean i feel like the the realm of voice therapy you know a lot of singers know that it's there and it's it's always so fascinating i've always wanted to be able to go to a, a speech therapist or voice therapist just to get yeah. some insight info basically but what are the main reasons that people come to see you um do you mean all people do you mean singers or performers in particular singers and performers particularly yeah usually we don't get them at the level where everything's going great we get mm. vocal crisis or they've just noticed something has deteriorated gradually and gradually it's got to a point where they can't sing anymore or um, they can't sing it the way they used to. And of the two things that mostly happen to people, it's either that they lose range of top um, or that they're getting constant fatigue or, or a different voice quality coming through. Um, and that's really um, normal. I mean, you can kind of abuse your voice and get it super tired and then if you rest it, it might come back but usually these things build up voice problems don't happen just overnight there are a combination of factors you know i would say there's a holy trinity of factors usually like they've worked too much or they were sick and they work so sickness um, long hours and maybe some stress you know you move home maybe break down a relationship maybe conflict at work so these things all come together and they just kind of you know themselves into the larynx really um and that's why that's why things like just doing things externally, like just fixing your posture from the outside, or just having your massage, is often not enough. It's it's, it's what's happened to the inside and working towards and the and the muscles around it that really um, need to be addressed. Wow, that is fascinating. So, do you also find yourself going hands in, as in doing the massage as well, or is it more prescribing exercises? Well, I'll be honest with you that I will do that, but it's kind of for me, it's it's almost like an adjunct thing. It's not my direct way of doing things because, mm -hmm. um, for example, if I have like some constriction going on and I'm modeling, I've got into this kind of pattern of being either husky or tight or whatever. If I massage the outside, it's likely that that muscles here will release and it will feel a bit better. You'll get that some kind of a temporary relief. But um, internally, the thing that's causing the constriction, or if a nodule is formed or if there's a cyst there or any other things that can go wrong with vocal cords, you really need to do kind of a rehab therapy program to, to get rid of that swelling and then to open up the, the space. And I, I, I work from the inside out rather than because... Mm -hmm. uh, 
you know, I know that you can still have a good voice, even if sometimes your posture is great. So it's not, it's not just having great posture that's going to fix your voice. I'm going to do my best, but I'm going to like, I can still produce a pretty bad voice. So, you know, <laughs> I try to think a bit more widely about voice because people say, there, you know, and I'm drinking water and, you know, I've done some mass, my voice is still, and that's really because whatever's, whatever's on the vocal cords or whatever tension has got into those deep muscles, that, that's the thing that needs to be worked on. Mm, yeah, it's normally something much, like you say, because people, when they get to you, generally by that point, it's something that's been there for a long time or it's, yeah. it's not just a very quick, easy fix, isn't it? It's much more ingrained. So yeah. really changing habits, checking that, that trifecta, like you said. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But sometimes with voice, um, it, it's taught in such a way, you know, like lots of things that I slightly try and demystify a little bit, like, oh, it's, it's all about, you know, what you do with the diaphragm. Well, it isn't all about that, actually. That's that's one part of it. But you, could, you can have a great breathing diaphragm, breathing, but do something not great at this level. So, you know, I, you know, you can take a great breath, but then somehow learn to kind of squeeze the larynx somewhere. And that, and that, that means the breath won't come out properly. And if the breath won't come out properly, the voice won't come out properly. So it's not that you didn't breathe well, it's that it didn't come out in, in, a, in a good way. So it's just kind of reversing sometimes the way people think about um, because, you know, you hear the same thing said over again, from um, anatomical, things aren't always accurate. But I know it feels that way to people. And people are very safe talking about breathing, aren't they? That's so true. Breathing is a very, it's a very safe thing to talk about. Like you say, it's very, it's the thing mm. that repeated and repeated and repeated at conferences. Yeah, can, are we still talking about this? We know how to breathe. It's not, for me, it's not what happens here. It's what happens right at this level. And this is the bit that most people want to avoid. You know, I don't talk about the throat. Just ignore that bit. But somehow it's going to come from here to here and sound amazing. But actually, it's, it's really learning how to retract the muscles that are above the vocal cords so they don't get in the way. Of Unless that's the sound you're going for. So if, you're, if, you're, if you want to perform a sound that is constructive, or you know um sounds tremulous you, you could learn to control that sound but generally people want a more open sound they want their voice a bit you know kind of free and when there's no no higher um so it could sometimes that's what they call muscle tension when things are just held a bit too tight or the wrong muscles being involved in making voice so we work to kind of rebalance that um, but by the time there's any pathology on the vocal cords, like nodules is the most common for singers, really. Um, that's kind of a process doing certain exercises, changing certain vocal habits that wear those nodules down. They don't really surge anymore. Um, and, and I often pick up things that have been not quite diagnosed right. So recently I wrote uh, my latest blog about two singers who, um, by the time they've got to me, are more or less not working in music. One working in musical theatre, one girl wasn't working on cruise ships anymore, just because they couldn't deliver, and these had leads in the past. So I say, well, what were you diagnosed with? Oh, nodules. And I say, well, you know, it doesn't sound like a nodule, and after about two sessions, I recommend they go see a special laryngologist, make sure we've got the diagnosis right. And in both cases, they were things that would have been managed with therapy primarily. They both need surgery. So we do, bless, wow. we play quite an important role. And sometimes, because I know a lot of ENTs and I can usually say, you know, go and go quite quick if you want to get it sorted out. And, um, and it's really nice. It's really nice to hear people say, you know, I couldn't go back to, um, and I said, no, you've just got a big cyst there and the cyst won't go by itself. So that needs to, and then we can work and you probably get, you know, just how it was before with a bit of therapy practice. Wow. 
Yeah, it can make quite a big difference to people's lives. It's nice to restore people's voice, but really nice to restore them to a career. You can. Oh my goodness, yeah. I, th I was reading some of your blogs and I think one of them mentioned something about how the voice is so much more than, than just a tool that we use. It is psychological, you know. If we, whenever I lose my voice, when, when I was working on cruise ships, I, I got into vocal fatigue so often I would have to just not speak for a while. And when you can't speak, you just, I would find myself like going into a shell of yes. myself just because I felt I couldn't express who I was I couldn't communicate with people it just it really affects your mental health a lot the voice it's a limiting position to be in to not be able to voice or to voice and think that doesn't sound like me that's not you know that's not me when mm -hmm. you're what you're used to it doing it's just not you and for me as well voicing is a spiritual release like literally you know if you're a singer you can't sing and then you know you know when you're letting a, a big note go or, or a nice you know just it just it's a release to me. Um, so I think it's very refining when that voice went out um, to the best that it, you know, it can come up. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I love cruise ships though, Hayley, definitely cruise ships there. Everyone's overworked. So you can never tell whether the fatigue is just that they're working people to death. <laughs> Cause I'm all I know, I know. People. I, I count myself as having a very strong voice and I'd never really suffered with much vocal fatigue before. And then I got on the ship and I was like, what's going on? What, what is happening? It's incredible. And then you don't have ac uh, access to the right doctors. You know, you've got the ship's doctors and they might appall let you see some ENT guy in like Guatemala or something, <laughs> you know, somewhere really remote where they're not really laryngologists. And oh, it's, a, it's a big business. But, you know, I've, I've worked with quite a few um, girls who've gone back to the ships and um, yeah, they just they really do need a strong technique and a strong release of constriction technique because they're often asked to do really big singing, aren't they? Lots of belty numbers, lots of dancing, you know, running around. So. And you need to be able to release that, that fatigue regular that tightness regularly so that, you know, you can keep it on track for longer. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, on the top of cruise ships, this wasn't in my list of questions at all, but this was kind of, I don't know if it's a myth or if it's real. Um, the, the casting, the vocal casting director that got me my first cruise ship job was always talking about how the, the air on the ship was really dry and was quite dangerous for people's voices. So I would always have humidifiers in, in my cabin. Um, but I wasn't quite sure, is that something that can affect your voice, have breathing in dry air? Yeah, it doesn't help. Like, you know, and some mm. are more sensitive than others. Like, um, those so dust, really dry places and air conditioning, you know, mm. air is not great. So you can kind of balance it with having a humidifier, you know, staying hydrated and, and maybe steam inhalation, you know, before and after performance, things like that will help. It shouldn't kind of completely knock off your voice, but some larynxes get super sensitive, especially if they've had a problem before, or um, if they're coming down, if you're coming down, you would really feel it. And it's, again, it'd be one of the things, an additional factor that might send your voice over the edge. Mm. Yeah, when you've got the, the high intensity work from a job. Yeah. Also, say for example, the stress emotions from being away from a family, and yeah. then also dry air. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That yeah. does make a lot of sense. Like, it's like being a voice dictator. Just like, look at all the reasons that influence that voice to just be slowly tipped over and tipped over till it just didn't function like it used to function. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd love to know what, what would be a sign that people could look out for to know that it's time to go see a specialist like yourself? Because I, I know that's such a difficult thing. You know, if people, you know, people sometimes get worried thinking, oh, I'm just overthinking it. It'll come back tomorrow or something what's the point that you would say go see somebody so if you know that you've sung a lot and um you know you wake up you know you know it's normal for you to wake up and be a bit tired and by about mm -hmm. 10 12 your voice starts to come back um that's kind of how your voice is 
But if you know it's taking me longer, like I get till 12 o'clock before I be asking. So anything like that where it's taking you longer to get your voice back is not a good sign. Um, it goes on for more than about two weeks. Within, um, two or three weeks at the most. If you find yourself throwing a lot or, or feeling like you need to throw pills, that's actually a sign that the larynx is not very comfortable. Um, throat clearing a lot is not great for the throat. You have to do it sometimes, but you know, if like you do it, you need to do it and you feel there's something in the way, or you feel there's something times like a lump in the way, and even though you swallow, you move it, that's also a sign that you're like, um, and just, just anything that the, the quality is not the same. If it's a bit airy, if it sounds a bit, you know, you're trying to sing and you think, oh, I feel it sounds a bit airy, that no, that's that means the vocal cords aren't coming together their full length like they should so that can be because they're away or uh, and the other thing is just loss of usually loss of range like if you think i just can't go high loss of quality or loss of range mm. and more for two to three weeks of it that would be a good sign yeah and i think that's the key there as well because i mean i'm sure a lot of singers if you know if you drink a little bit too much the night before you'll feel a bit husky for a little while um or you know if you've been been quite stressed or emotional for a little while you'll be feeling those things but two to three weeks that's yeah. a really good window i think i mm. think and, and sometimes even sooner like if you say my because you can actually wake up and say my voice just went one day that can happen to people some things can come quite quickly um mm. so in that case you wouldn't wait that long you think oh my god you'd know your voice wasn't wouldn't be there you know but mm. you most voice problems things like nodules they're more of a little gradual decline slowly slightly worse but um cases where people just say you know literally my voice wasn't there and that's what we call like a you know single in vocal crisis and they normally go to the to the ENT quite quickly then um wow. there are polyps things that people get polyps and they sometimes come very quickly from just kind of one or two misused factors to so say you'd share a football match or something you know just been really prolonged that could do mm. something knock your voice out for like a good week or so you might be able to voice but not in the right way um but most singers are quite careful like that. But with, you mentioned about, you know, having a drinks. It's not really the alcohol that does the damage per se. Um, alcohol is dry and kind of create it with fluid and stuff. It's the fact that when we're having a drink, the environment's noisy. People just tend to, you know, just shout a lot more. They're just being so outgoing and loud. Um, and it's the pushing of the voice over background noise consistently that usually um, does more damage than the alcohol so much you know you just completely fallen down that wouldn't be good but you know <laughs> you can do it just with alcohol but you it's more that they've just got really ah, not realized they've been so gregarious and outgoing and um it's just strained the voice but that kind of thing will cover after a day with your voice usually if it's just like a night like that and you don't do it that often that's when you probably just need to be careful the next couple of days and try not to do that stuff immediately before before right before um, that can usually recover. You'll get a little bit of information that will settle down with resting. But it's when it's when you do those things and it doesn't settle down and it goes on for a couple of weeks that it's starting to be a problem. And I would mm. let it go on for a lot longer. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that's a great topic in terms of yeah, because that's a big. Um, uh, I don't even know the word, but yeah, a big belief of a lot of people that it's the alcohol that affects yeah. your voice but it's, it's the other element naughty with the drinking it's not the drinking it's the it's the, it's mm. the voice and also you're disinhibited so you don't know you're, you're doing it half the time everyone's at, the, at that same level going ah, going crazy <laughs> <laughs> i'm remembering these days i have you know 
been a while since anything like that happened to me. But generally, I remember, you know, how noisy those places were. So you just, you just push your, even me, and I know how to kind of twang my above a lot. Sometimes I'm thinking in this place, it's just too noisy. I'm just not going to bother. I can just tell. Yeah, it's, it's so true. Yeah. <laughs> and I know for me as well, if I've had a few drinks, I will definitely just sing to everybody and not be aware of how well I'm singing or how terribly and what my technique's like and that I'll just wreck my voice for the next day as well <laughs> it's just all I want to do when I drink that's so funny um I'd love to know as well because obviously there's the alcohol thing but there's a lot of people um that feel like they're sensitive to other foods like refined sugars or dairy things like that I'd love to know your thoughts on that I think there's a lot of myths about it and there's a lot of truths about it so it's quite hard mm -hmm. if you know you're sensitive to dairy it's usually going to come out that you get super blocked you know when you eat cheese and milk and you know and, and also just because you might be sensitive to one dairy you might not be sensitive to all there's quite a precise science that's really hard like for example if i eat cream i can almost feel my nose block really quickly but if yeah. i have cream, it doesn't happen so you have to really be aware of yourself and because it happened so something like clotted cream you wouldn't have it very often that's how i was able to work out obviously it really blocks me up so I, I'm really careful with it now. I don't have it very much anyway, but I'm aware of that. I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't have it gone with cream or something before I had to do a presentation because I know agree with me. But you know, I, I'm not lactose intolerant. I can have milk. So you know, you have to just know. I mean, you can do allergy testing. It's probably worth it for a singer, I think. Um, mm. Mind it at ease. Um, so you have to kind of have a genuine, I think, allergy to it or to, or sensitivity for me to worry about people being careful about it. You know, um, and I just say before any kind of performance, you wouldn't really want to have something that rich anywhere. Try to kind of drink clean and then kind of save the bad stuff a bit later. Um, so it's usually something like dairy that people say that they, that, that you know, they might have an allergy to. Um, but alcohol and wine have a lot of it. A lot of wine stuffs people's noses up. So it's again not good, you know, before or the night before because it can leave you feeling a bit blocked up the next day. Some people don't have a problem at all. Some people only need a glass before it kind of makes them start sneezing. So you just have to be, there's lots of um, myths and things about things that will help. Like, you know, say people say, oh, you know, that really helps. And they were nodules for about three years. And I, well, it, it make, it, it's not going to harm you, but it's not of the nodule. So yeah. tree remedies don't really get rid of old swellings. What they do is they help with sore throat or bad tonsils things that just feel bad at the, at the mouth but your your vocal coils and your wind um sit above your windpipe so when you, when you drink a drink it doesn't go down through the vocal, it goes it goes into your food pipe so there's a little flat over covers your vocal cords and the food and the drink goes into your stomach so you know when we drink it doesn't actually go into your vocal cords the only thing that will help your vocal cords in terms of moisture is is steam inhalation because that you breathe that in and it goes through the vocal cords so drinking hydrates you, but it, you know, it doesn't really have a direct with the vocal cord. Um, yeah. But you know, honey is a bit antibacterial. So if there's a sore throat going on, it's not going to harm you. It's not going to harm, but it's not going to cure your, you know, pathology or muscle tension or anything like that. Mm. So it more just helps with the feeling more than... It helps with the feeling and maybe just get better if you're sick. But if, you're, if your mm. voice problem is not because you're sick, then it's not going to bear really on it. Yeah. That's really fascinating. I think you've kind of blown a lot of myths out of the water just then. That's really, really cool. I get people saying, oh, if I wear a scarf, my, 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 I feel better, or my voice is better. But I think, well, it's not going to get rid of a polyp. You know, it's going to make you warm. It's going to give you a bit of comfort. 
up your muscles on the outside getting a bit you know um but you know it's just it's just well it's just myths that go around really and and sometimes if you feel better that is a good thing that will help your psychological status but usually get to help voices get better or change it, it does need a bit of work like in the form of physical exercises really Mm, yeah I love that you touched on the psychological thing as well because that's something I wanted to go back to obviously we've talked about how when our voice is suffering it it affects our mental health absolutely do mm. you find working on people's mental health also helps their voice yeah I mean in, in nearly every um, voice case I see there'll be a psychological element or some some mm. factors that are influencing the condition or making it worse if you say to somebody does your, do you get to get worse with stress they always say yes and there are some conditions like spasmodic dysphonia that, that, that is really get worse by stress, you know. Um, with singers, what happens is once you realise your voice isn't working so well, you start to develop an anxiety about whether it's going to be okay on the night or whether it's going to be what's happening to it. And then it's the, the anxiety sometimes almost rips somebody completely. Um, and then kind of, there's always layers that you have to unravel the anxiety stuff about singing. And all, vo all good voice therapy is building somebody's confidence try certain things um and then to kind of hopefully build their confidence that there's a good chance of restoring and it might be a long journey especially like these people i guess who, who've had a diagnosis that isn't right and then they get to the they get the diagnosis then we work with the right diagnosis they do surgery first then they come back to me so it's a process you know um mm. but within a few months you can get somebody on track if you're the right way and it's always for me rehab first then building the stamina and then doing the bigger stuff you know you, you shouldn't get People come and say, well, I can't get loud anymore and I can't belt anymore. And they want to hear that. And I'm thinking, yeah, I know, but we've got to get rid of the nodules first. So um, <laughs> had a belt with nodules because you're, you're going to lose all your quiet voice and your high, thin voice. And so I just stick to the, the right structure, um, which, of course, most, most singers wouldn't be aware of. They're just kind of focusing on what they can't do. But there are always steps to, to do it the right way. Wow. Yeah, that's so fascinating. On the topic of nodules, I'd love to pick your brain a little bit as well, because I feel like for so long, the word nodules would strike fear into my very soul. <laughs> it's my absolute soul. Uh, but since I've been in the professional world, you know, I've had friends that have had nodules, had the surgery, and can sing amazingly. And I feel like, I don't know, I'd love to know your thoughts on that. Is it possible to have your voice fully functioning again after having nodes? Yeah, definitely. And so sometimes the word nodules is used really casually and some, some doctors might kind of say nodules for every type of swelling. It's quite common, especially in other countries. But basically, vocal cord nodules are two swellings that look kind of the same on vocal cords. And those two swellings come together and they put the vocal cords shutting properly so that the sound starts to sound properly. Um, but you can have different types of swelling as well. So you can have a cyst or a polyp and they usually put on one side of the vocal cord. Um, but with nodules being the most common for singers, it's because the vocal cords touch so many times, they vibrate so far, the singers, you know, vibrate more, um, especially females, because um, we have, um, our vocal cords vibrate faster than male cords, because they just do higher pitches, the cords vibrate faster. They get even more contact, which is why girls get, or women, they get older, um, have more nodules than males. Um, and you can, if they're small, get rid of them totally with therapy. In fact, the go treatment anymore for a long time has not been stopped. it's definitely therapy for not because they're often behavioral they're caused because the person is doing something repetitively that's causing the problem so you can some they used to get rid of the old days and they would come back quite quick and they realized it needed a different mm -hmm. we deal with 
nodules usually the, the speech therapy specialist um if they're really really big and they've been there for years definitely um they, they still might take away surgically but the bigger they are um more scar tissue they leave behind and scar tissue on a vocal cord is not is not great so that's why we try to get the therapy first um and, and they're very small they usually go by themselves if for some reason it won't go it's super hard we'll take it over the smaller they are before they remove the better um so um you don't want them to be there usually for years because the more of the vocal cord it covers the more they have to cut away oh, this yeah. cause problems but when people have, had, have not been able to um so your your friends who've had them they might have been sick more or polyps rather than nodules it's quite hard mm -hmm. on the diagnosis and for those two things the management is usually always surgical and then their voices often sound really good after because it's just one side, little thing, take away, um, and it and their voice can sound. I think most people can get most of their voice back at least ninety five percent. So, wow. and there are people like some I'm sure who've probably had nodules removed more than one you know, a couple of times. But again, the more surgery, you should, so you know. mm. gosh, that is fascinating. Thank you so much for clearing that up. Yeah, there's not a scary thing if you just get the therapy. You don't even need to maybe get surgery. That's really nice. Nearly voicing his career, there's probably time where they had pre-nodular formation or they had little nodules or, you know, and they got rid of it with rest and voice therapy and care. Um, yeah, it's like terror because, you know, you can get little calluses like, you know, anywhere on your body. So it's, it's rather, and then, you know, if you don't have that thing irritating it, you tend to go away. Mm, yeah, that makes so much sense. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay, next question. We've got two more. We've like powered through these ones. They're so good. Um, okay, second last question. In your opinion, how how much heavy intense voice usage should we be having in a day that's that's safe? Is there a certain amount of time? Do you think? Um, I mean, in terms of like a performance, like a show or something, I don't think it should exceed like four or three hours. But it depends if you do that, something like that, that and then you just voice a little bit with your friend on the phone, have a little bit of a chat here and there, that will be fine. But if it's then mm. kind of go to talking on the phone and then you're from one thing to another, then that's when it gets quite difficult. You know, I worked with somebody recently and um, she gets saying she's always on the phone. She never comes off the phone. I said, well, you've got a voice problem at the moment. You've got loads of voice work and overwork. You, you know, you should really, you know, you have to be careful just to preserve your voice. For that. So it's that kind of thing. If your voice isn't working well or you're a bit unwell or you've got every vocal demands in terms of role, that's when the time you should be voicing red. If it's not a time for performance, of course, you can voice safely quite a lot. For example, I might see, mm -hmm. I had my clinic, I used to see sometimes eight or nine people a day. That's with all sorts of different voicing demonstrations, singers, trans people. But because I keep the mechanism open and there's no switch in the larynx, I would be able to go all day. Um, so mm -hmm. it's rather than how much you voice, I'm a bit sure of that. On the other yeah. hand, performance isn't just using your voice. It takes a lot of energy, it takes a lot of mental energy, maybe physical energy, dancing or moving around. And so there's fatigue that goes on and all bodies need, need rest and, and voices do need, do, do need rest. You know, like, so when I'm doing my voice therapy, I'm doing a lot of my voice, but I'm not also having to dance, um, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> um, you know, so it would be, it would be more wearing if, if I was doing, so you have to see what, what other stuff am I doing that can time and when can I balance? When can I get my hours rest, my two hours voice rest in three hours? So, so however much you have to do for your job, you do need to balance. Um, and if it's speaking, you just 
learn a good technique for, and singing really um, for releasing that, that tightness. Yeah, I think that's really fascinating, especially because there's a lot of performers, obviously, that you know, will be performing in the evening, but then teaching during the day or, or working there. I call it a muggle job, you know, something outside of performing. And they are using their voice so much during the day as well. For example, if you're performing and then you work in a pub and it's noisy, that, I've had, that, mm. that, that they're the kind of triggers that would be, you'd have to take so much attention to kind of get voice rest in in there or, you know, so there's certain, I think there are certain jobs that, um, that, that, you know, don't work so well, but of course they're often the kind of jobs that people do, like waiting or working in a bar. So mm. that. But the more aware you are of it, the more somebody talks you through how to you know, get your balance time in, um, the more you can kind of counteract it. The, li the less aware of it, the less, the more it catches you out. Yeah, yeah. So like you say, it it's doable. You know, if you are doing a job all day, yeah. teaching, coaching, something like that, and then performing in the evening, it's doable. You've just got to be super aware and probably probably yeah. get advice from someone that knows what they're talking about yeah. by the sounds of it as well guidance and also just take take some time so i'm really busy today. there's so much voicing i must like take time to like some yoga stretches or just do some stretches or just lie down and breathe and you know just so you're building some time to just release everything because over the day you'll be getting kind of tight and tight and you know um so i think it's that it's making sure you just take that small bit of time to release yeah Oh, you know what? That ties in really well to my last question for this interview. And thank you so much as well for taking the time to share your, honestly, your buckets and buckets of knowledge with everybody. Yeah. I know it's going to be so valuable for everyone here, for everyone on the podcast as well. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Um, before I do the last question, for anyone that wants to reach out to and get more information about the services that you have, what's the best way for them to do that? It's usually best just to send an email in. Um, it's it's voice at christellaanthony.co.uk or www.christellaanthony.co.uk. I just kind of trade on my name. Um, there's loads of stuff on the website. There's a voice genie blog kind of discusses cases like the ones you've seen and place them before and after. Um, and about me and yeah, if you want to book appointments, you can actually do it directly online. Or, but you can just speak to speak to my assistant as well, and we'll do our best. Oh, fantastic. And I would definitely recommend checking out her blog as well. Not blog, your blog. I yeah. especially love all the examples of the before and after. You can literally hear people's voices, how they were when they came in to see you, and then yeah. how they were normally a couple of appointments in. And it just, so many of them sound like completely different people. It's amazing. I know. I mean, you would how bad voices can sound when they go wrong. But... Yeah, but it's also really nice, you know, if your voice does sound that bad, it gives you hope you know, hearing that, that other side of it as well. I absolutely loved it. It was really, really cool. All right, so my last question for tonight, and thank you so much for your time as well. Uh, my last question is, what are some tips that you can give professional voice users, singers especially, just to look after their voices every single day? Like you were saying, those check-ins, those stretches. What are a couple of things we can do every day just to really look after our voices? So every day, I think you should um, take some time to do... Um, a couple of breathing things. So most people are used to breathing in through their nose and out through their mouth because they're taught that for Pilates, for yoga, for relaxing. And even speech therapists and singers often think that that's the way you breathe. But actually for voicing, the, the, the best tip I can give you is that we breathe through our mouth for speaking and for because it's such a rapid activity. So just periodically making your, your space in your mouth bigger will also widen the back of your throat and into your throat so if you think about your teeth being about a finger width apart mm. and just doing a silent breath like that 
that ah. immediately open up. So it's a little bit like stretching your shoulders back and, um, and but you're wide opening your larynx space and just doing three or four breaths like that. And because you can fit them in anywhere, if you have a vocally demanding day or you're just getting a bit tired, just, just stretch those muscles out just with silent open mouth breathing. And then it should kind of, apart from the fact that it's quite relaxing and quite good for anxiety because you're letting in a lot of oxygen, it's also just stretching everything from the inside out like I was talking about. Um, and you can just kind of carry that, that kind of wide feeling. Um, and you can combine it with meditation or something like that but i just say just be very focused on doing those those breaths in and out throughout i love that you know what just doing it just then i just felt yeah. the tension in my jaw just melt away from that one thing i love how simple that is yeah so most of my stuff has been condensed down over the time to make them just effective but like not that much hassle and actually that exercise does 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 open up that space but it also lifts kind of exercises your face a little bit and also releases your jaw. So you hear lots of people doing lots of jaw work, but actually that will probably do you just as good as doing five minutes of jaw exercises. Wow. And so I love that that's, I love that that's something you can do without looking like a crazy person as well. <laughs> as you get better at it, you can just reduce the opening a bit and just, you know, yeah. just really just imagine that. So I hope that kind of helps and, you know, Anytime you animate the cheeks a little bit, it always kind of brings a bit of a, an opening. Yeah, I love that. And that's such a good thing to tie in. Like you're saying, people that work in, in busy pubs, for example, that's yeah. something you can do while you're walking from table to table, or that's something you can do while you're, you're sitting yeah. on the train on the way to work or yeah. at a party or something. Tea on the, walking in the park. I mean, obviously it's cold now, just outside time for the hell of it. But just when you're kind of waiting for a microwave to pick, you know, you can fit mm -hmm. these in the bath is a really good place as well. Uh, and there's steam around as well. So you can your steam That's probably the two tips that you can combine those. Do them in isolation or together. Yeah. I love that so much. Christella, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom. My goodness. That's like, I mean, that's just given me so much to think about, let alone everybody else. That was amazing. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. My pleasure. And I know I I value your time so, so much as well. So I, I won't keep you any longer, but thank you so much for sharing your, your wisdom and, and your love for the voice as well. It's so thank clear you. to see the passion that you have for it. Oh, I know. It's good. Voice is good. Voice is everything. So that is the incredible Christella. I really hope you guys enjoyed that. I know there were a few little technical issues, but I just think it was so worthwhile, all the golden nuggets in there. And especially that last tip of just opening your mouth to the so you can basically fit a finger between your, your teeth and breathing that way. It just, I feel so much release in my jaw and my my core as well when I breathe like that. It's absolutely amazing. So simple. And like we said, you can do it on the train. You can do it in a, in a work meeting. You know, you can do it any way you like and not look like a crazy person, <laughs> which is much better than a lot of the vocal exercises um, and stretches that I've done in the past. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. Sending so much love. And I will pop the details uh, for finding Christella's blog and her website. She's got so many cool features on there as well. Definitely check it out. I'll put that in the information for this podcast. Lots of love and look after your voices. Mwah.